Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Two Under, Ben Hogan Golf, Golf Pride, Srixon and their Z-Star Golf Balls, and the Sandiston Resort. Now here is your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks. How are you on a beautiful Tuesday night? I hope it's great wherever you are. If it's raining, you know what? Put on some headphones. Get in a comfortable position. And we're going to do our very best to brighten up the next 90 minutes for you. Tonight, I've got two more of the top instructors in the game here to share their playing lessons with you. We'll talk specifically tonight about equipment. We're going to talk about golf balls. We're going to talk about wedges. We're going to talk about bounce. We're going to talk about how to have the right perspective when you're out on the golf course with those instructors. So very much looking forward to that. We're also going to talk about some stories from inside the ropes from a guy who's becoming quite a regular here on the show. I'm very excited about that. Let's talk specifically about who we've got with me tonight. My first guest is going to be Srixon, Cleveland Golf and Zexio Territory Manager and Teaching Professional, Perry French. We're going to get a brand update from Perry because they've got some great things going on, particularly at Shrixon, which you guys all know is the official golf ball here of the show. They've got to be going crazy still about Shane Lowry's victory at the Open Championship. We're going to talk about that, plus how to choose the right ball for our games. We're also talking about picking the right bounce and the right grind for your wedges. How do we know if we have the right ones in our bag or really which one's the right one for our swing? We'll talk to Perry about that. A theme for tonight's show is going to be around the PGA Tour playoffs and the Tour Championship. Now that the majors are over, have most golf fans checked out and moved on to football? If so, what does that mean for golf's playoff system and the Tour Championship? We'll get what Perry thinks about that. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit, like I say, from a guy who's becoming a regular here on the show, and that's former PGA Tour caddy Andy Leno. Andy has got so many great stories from his decade on the bag with Kenny Perry. He's also been on the bag for guys like Tom Watson and Peter Jacobs and Nick Faldo. So we'll talk about all of those things. And, you know, fortunately, Andy has, you know, been listening to the show over the last several weeks. And, and Shane LeBaron talked about the plain truth last week when he was on the show the week before that. Andy Trainer was with us. So we've talked about the plain truth and, uh, and they're working with Chris O'Connell. Well, you know what? Andy roomed with Chris when Andy, uh, when uh, I should say Chris was caddying out on tour for Peter Jacobson, so we'll talk about that. Plus, Andy also heard Ted Purdy sharing his story about playing in the 2005 Open Championship, which was Jack Nicklaus's last tournament. And all the folks there, as, uh, as uh, Ted was saying, you know, all the players getting those commemorative five-pound uh, British notes and bringing those to Mr. Nicklaus because he was pictured on them, getting him to sign those. Well, Andy got a few of those notes himself and had Mr. Nicholas sign them and a bunch of other things. So looking forward to having Andy back on the show with me. He'll join me later on in this half hour. And then we're going to round out tonight's show with a return visit from our resident instructor, Tom Patry. As you all know, Tom is a Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor and the director of instruction at the Hawthorns Country Club up in Fishers, Indiana. We'll continue our conversation from a couple of weeks ago about the new young guns taking the PGA Tour by storm. We'll focus tonight on their confidence because kids like Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, those guys immediately started winning and finishing in the top five out on the PGA Tour. So showing no fear 
about the guys that they were going to be playing with. Coming right out of college and boom, taking on the world's best and uh, doing a darn good job of it. Like I say, a couple of them already got some wins. So my perception is that was always hard to do, right? To come out and have no fear. We'll see if that's really the case. We'll hear Tom's perspective. He'll join me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories and playing lessons coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. But before we get started, you know, I always like to remind you about my good friend Mitch Lawrence and his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host, Darren Bunce, they let you know about great places to go stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. You can stream their podcast over on Golf Trip X, and that's a letter X, GolfTripX.com. It's also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. So go there, check out their show, and learn about some of the hidden gems that we have around the country. His twin brother, Matthew, also has a great show. It's called Backspin Golf, and his show airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. My guest tonight, Perry French, is also a big part of that show. He joins Matthew in the first segment every week. You can stream their show online by going to WLXG.com or do what I did, which is download the WLXG app and stream it on your smartphone. It's a great way to kick off your Sunday mornings. Again, the show is called Backspin Golf, and you can stream it online at WLXG.com or on the WLXG app. And, folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what's going on up there this summer. It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lick Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views, you can see many 20, 30 miles from many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens, and, and you can see it in 360 degrees. Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Symmetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it that makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf, and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now, online at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLake.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place it is and to book your stay as well. And, folks, well, TaylorMade Golf has done it again. You know the TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers. What a tremendous story they are, both featuring speed-injected twist face created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and I do mean every single head, is injected and calibrated, calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. Basically, every head is made to be tour spicy, so speed for all. Check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com. Also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Trixon Golf. To play a ball with ultimate spin and stopping power, you need a physics-defying cover. With molecular bonds that stretch but don't break, to play a ball that goes far and feels soft, you need a fast-layer core with incredible feel and maximum distance. They're only in the new Z-Star and Z-Star XV golf balls, and they're only from the Trixon Golf. Check it out online by going to Trixon.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their semi-annual sale event uh, going on right now. Savings of up to 50% on some of their items. In fact, their best-selling performance polo shirts are up to 60% off. Check it out online by going to bobbyjones.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Perry French. Let me remind you a little bit about Perry's background. 
He is the brand territory manager for Strixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio Golf. And along with that, he's also a weekly partner, like you just heard me say, with my good friend Matthew Lawrence over on Backspin Golf. It's my regular weekly Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. tea time. You can hear Perry sharing his thoughts, his playing lessons, talking about the equipment and, and all those sorts of things. It's a really great show, as you guys tell me we talk about all the time. First segment, Outstanding with Perry. He's also a Class A teaching professional. I'm very grateful he was patient with me, and he's joining with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Perry, thanks for coming back on the show. Good evening, Chris. How we doing? Good to be back. <laughs> I appreciate you very much. Thank you, Perry. So, uh, Perry, I, I have to imagine you guys are going crazy with uh, Shane Lowry's win there at the Open Championship. Everyone with, uh, associated with the uh, Strixon brand has got to be all smiles, just like uh, he was when he won the tournament. Oh. Talk about what's been going on with you guys since yeah. that victory. What a what a great way for for the summer. You know, you know, champ, major championship season to end with with us having a a four day foray of uh, Shane Lowry putting on a pretty strong exhibition for all four days and and the and the weather changes on a, a an outstanding layout which was uh, super challenging as we saw for the players and uh, for him to to pull off a win obviously from Republic of Ireland and, and being it that it was where it was I mean in Northern Ireland he was as close to a Rory McIlroy win as you could expect from a, from a homeland scenario so it was great from that aspect and from us from a brand. You know, Shane, as it, as it was, you know, playing alongside another brand ambassador and JB Holmes, who unfortunately had a pretty failing weekend, but mostly on Sunday. We won't get into that, but Shane was able to, to really, he's really been a strong, long time, uh, you know, player of ours from when he first came out to play. And even actually when he won the Irish Open as an amateur, he was playing tricks on ball, you know, so those are a lot of things that Shane has as history with us. And it was great to see him pull off. It really was just a win that was for us monumental just because we had such great exposure. He, he, you know, he drove the ball exceptionally well with our new 585 driver. He had the two and three utility UH85 irons that were, you know, noticed by all the players. Um, you know, who at since that event called me, what's that, what's that club he's got in the bag there? What's he, what was he using? You know, putting <laughs> the ball in play. So it's, it's really fun. I mean, obviously you don't always get that. There's only four of those a year, right? Four guys get, four companies get to claim. Some type of major, you know, uh, championship and it really came at a great time. We had just finished up our summer sales meeting. So we're launching some new products here in the fall. So I got a lot of ammo when I get into that pro shop to talk about what great things are happening. And the neat thing about Shane's product, 12 of the 14 clubs that he plays that are ours, he plays an Odyssey putter and a, and a Taylor made three, but the other 14, 12 clubs are all ours, including the golf ball, of course. And you can buy those today. Anybody who wants to play with Shane Lowry had in his bag can buy that club customized to their specs. So that's pretty. That's a pretty neat thing as well. No doubt, and I and I got to imagine, yeah. right? We, we're we're going to be seeing his smiling face on a lot of different tricks on things coming up here oh. over the next few months, right? Absolutely. He he just you know obviously from from a current status, Hideki has been our lead professional player, certainly a Japanese, uh, you know, a native, and and he's been with the company again for a long time. Uh, and him and uh, Graham McDowell are our one-two punch out there. Uh, from a faces that people recognize, but yeah, Shane Lowry jumped. Uh, he just jumped the shark on this one. He's he's gone to the head of the box, and I think we'll, we'll start seeing something. He, he he'll show and talk about his product. He's again, he's been a loyal player for for a number of years, so it's not like you know this is something that we just happen to latch onto. He's been with us for the, for the right reasons, and that's trusting our products, trusting it with his game and his career. I got to tell you the, the story. If you didn't know this about Shane Lowry a year ago. He told uh, the story that he was at the British Open in the parking lot at the conclusion of last year's British Open, crying. 
literally crying. And as he said, golf was not his friend. He didn't know where his game was going, if he had enough game to compete at this level. And for him to sit there a year later and to be holding Declare a Jug, it, it, it makes my, it gives my hairs in the back of my neck to stand up. It's an amazing story that he could be at that depth personally about his golf game. I don't remember what he shot. It doesn't matter. He had that, he had that internal, you know, feeling of how his game was or where it wasn't at that point and didn't know what, what was ahead of him. And here it is a year later. He's, he's now, he's now a major champion and certainly in his world, the European players world, it's the best event for them to win as a major. You know, that's just the, the British, the, the, the open championship is that. So that's, that wow, it was a great, what a great story. Feel. Yeah. Pretty, pretty neat. So. So we're excited as a company. We get to, we get to, and it's the last one of the season. So no, we got it all the way until April. So we got, we got, we got the floor. <laughs> get the last one. So, yeah. So we use that. You get yeah, to bask in that glory, right? For what? Another eight months? Absolutely. We get to, absolutely. It's, it's the long, it's the long haul. So until we get through this, uh, as I was telling Matthew on the show, the silly season and he, he chuckled. I had a little rant about this silly season called the tour championship and, and squeezing, you know, squeezing four major championships into 115 days. And I think, you know, uh, we'll talk about that maybe a little later, but I think that that was yeah. going to be a mistake. It's going to be a mistake just from a, from a, uh, from, for me, from an uh, ongoing viewership, you know, to condense the season, you're going to, you saw what happened. We didn't see Tiger Woods play. He played, if you want to know this fact, in those 115 days, guess how many, guess how many rounds, competitive rounds he played that you and I and the world got to watch after he won the green jacket. Six. 12. 12 competitive rounds. That's in 115 wow. days. That's a travesty. I mean, that's just, that is a, you know, I don't know if Tiger was harboring a, a minor issue. He's trying to conserve, you know, and be, you know, but he wasn't prepared. He couldn't prepare. And the condensed schedule cost him some preparation time. And also playing in the, even they played in the memorial. So it really, it really hurt that part, which should have been a great story to the 2019 season. With him winning the Masters out of the gate, I mean, it couldn't have gotten any off to a better start, you know, from a publicity, TV, and then the, the TV people—they didn't get to see Tiger very much at all this year at all. So it was a—I think it was a dud, quite frankly. Yeah, and and, and uh, that is sort of the theme for the show tonight, Perry. And I want to get back to some of the tricks on stuff here in a minute. But to your point, right here we are—it's the FedEx Cup playoffs. We've got mm-hmm. you know. Two tournaments and then, and then the tour championship. But now that we're, right. I mean, t- typically in, in, in seasons past, well, once you get past the last, you know, what used to be the PGA championship at the end of the season, now the open championship, you know, we start to check out, right? I mean, the football season's yep. starting and now we're starting sure. to get ramped up and our attention gets diverted to that. So I, I was curious to get your thoughts on, on the, on the, uh, on the playoff system. Is this a good thing? Or is it a bad thing? Is, or is it really most golf fans? Said okay, open championships over. I'm on to I'm on to football. Yeah, I, I think I don't think it's from a from a viewership. People are going to tune in. It is August. It, it's uh, you know it's it's football season is a month away. We're we're in camps and all that. No biggie. Um, I, I think the true golf fan, myself, yourself, that are are going to follow golf through the through the long haul. The, the condensing the schedule doesn't do us any favors, quite frankly. I think from a viewership standpoint, I don't have a problem that the month of August, the third week in August, is the was the PGA Championship to kind of get the you know get the last player spot for the Ryder Cup, which is obviously going to be in September to in the, when it's in the states. You know, kind of get that. There's a lot of interest in that. Do people watch the Ryder Cup in September, Chris? 
<laughs> yeah, I think they do. I think right? they do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So why is it you don't want to be televising some of your most important events in September? There's a lot of golf being played across this entire country, from north to south, east to west. It's one of the longest periods of golf in, 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 because of the, the seasons are going on. And just because football's in the first two or three weeks of the season, it's not going to affect that viewership. It is going to affect the quality of play and the fields of play that we get to watch on a regular basis. And that is what I think is going to be the drawback to the season. The fact that they've condensed the tour championship to three events, I think that's fine. It, that's all you need. It should be a very, you know, sprint to the finish, right? You've already been playing all year to jockey for your position, so we don't need four events. And, and most of the guys were skipping one anyhow. Right, uh, certainly the top of the top of the heap. Or so I think. Right. This is fine. Condensing the schedule on the this end for the tour championship, it still should be in September. And I'm going to stick with that one. And I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to have to get one away, get that one get away. So <laughs> I just think it's, it, we should be back to the whole way. I don't. I don't like this event, as you can tell. I don't like the the PGA being in May. So you mentioned the silly season, right? And and when when I think of historically the golf silly season. That was, you know, towards the end of the year when we had the Skins game and the mm-hmm. Shark shootout yep. and, you know, those sorts of things. That, that to me was silly season. Now I yeah. think it's sort of taken yep. a different definition because we've got all these sort of, you know, cause I mean, the, the PGA Tour, you know, as soon as the cha- Tour Championship's over, season's over, season starts again. So now we've right. got all we these other it. events that nobody plays in. Is that the silly yeah, season now? I, yeah, exactly. Matthew and I call it the never ending season of golf. That is the silly season starts in the fall that that's when people really don't care. Okay. They just, there's the, the fields are, hey, listen, if you're a PJ tour player, it's an important event. We know guys are out there if it's their, it's their hunt for a living and they, they have a chance to win an event in, in a very, you know, reduced quality of field where these, you know, players in the 75 to 150, uh, you know, on the PJ tour standings have a chance to win because you don't have many of the top 50 players in the world there. And that's, you know, good for them. But from a viewership standpoint, you know, it's it's on the low end of the totem pole, so it's silly. They're going to play a couple of events just because they're they're trying to keep that uh, you know keep that interest and also keep these tour players keep them happy. Keep you know they play for their what they win. So if if they don't have an event to play in, they're not earning any money. You know, so uh, again, I, I call it the silly season because really, like any good sports category, you need to take some time off for people to recharge their batteries, get reinterested. And reset the game, you know, for the next the next season, and rolling it into a you know a fall couple three events is just uh, it's it's just minutia. Doesn't really do anything for me. So, yeah, yeah. So I just I, I, I don't want to talk. I love golf. I don't I don't I just don't I just don't think it has it's it's not quality golf at that level. And and listen, right. the guys who are trying to get their tour cards, the guys in the the now the Corn Ferry Tour, absolutely, you need to be playing. You need because you're not on the PGA Tour. You know, you're, you've got to, you've got to keep all the opportunities you can to make a living, make some money, get some experience. But if you're, if you're holding the PJ tour card, take a couple months off, be with your family, rest your, rest your mind and get ready for the, for the, for the real season, which should kick off with the tour champ, uh, the tour tournament champions in, in, in January. So. Harry, I want to go back to, to the, to the Strixon brand, right? Yeah. You guys have had a, a resurgence by, Hideki Matsuyama started to play good golf again. Keegan Bradley has come back from the dead. You know, our friend Zach Sucher had a tie for a second a couple of weeks ago at the Travelers Championship. Jerry right. Kelly having a great season out on the Champions Tour. I don't think enough people realize how good the players are and how good the product is from all three brands that uh, that you're a manager of. But let's talk about 
yeah. tricks on and the really good year you guys have actually put together. Uh, no, it's it's been a phenomenal year, and you're you're right on with, with mentioning a couple of uh, really strong performances by a lot of our staff players on on all the tours. Um, not to mention we had uh, our girl from Australia win the KPGA uh, the PGA Women's Championship. So, uh, so we've had we've had major we had that's a major win. We've had a, we've had two major wins at that category and a lot of wins in the in on tour. Uh, it's it's been a strong year for us, and the golf ball continues to lead the brand. It's, it's certainly where Shrixon Golf has been, you know, a leader in technology. We hold the the most worldwide patents in golf ball design. It's a company that's over almost a hundred years old now. Uh, it's it's in the, it's been in the business of making top quality golf products for as long, if not longer, and holds more worldwide patents than Titleist. So for most people, they don't they don't know that because they know Titleist here in the States. And rightly so, Titleist is, you know, has the brand market share and stuff in the States. But when we bring the whole world into play, they're not they don't really quite hold the candles of what Strixon's done over the years of developing and, and bringing product to market for a longer period of time. So it's a it's a neat story and, and we're having some success and it's fun to see um you know the guys and the gals who have trust our product putting some wins on the boards. And 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 like, well, you're right. It's not just, a, you know, it's not just one or two players, uh, like, you know, our star players, but a Keegan Bradley coming back playing well. Uh, and again, Shane Lowry, great win that, you know, Shane was having a better season. He had a couple close tries early in the season. So he was able to you know, piece it all together and put a win on the board. And so it's been a great year for the, for the golf ball product on tour. Perry, speaking of the tricks on golf balls, and you know I'm a big fan of the yellow Z Star. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. golf balls, and, and and you guys actually have a have a wonderful golf ball fitting section on Strixon.com. Talk about how our listeners can go out there and figure out which Strixon ball is actually best suited for their game. Yeah, certainly, that's a that's a great question, and and there's a, a lot of product out there in the in the golf ball market, and a lot of product that's comparable, if you will, from brand to brand, but when you're going to buy a brand specifically within that brand, you're going to find the micro brands of golf balls that really, not just from a price difference, but really a performance and technology story that really can make a difference in how to improve your game, improve some of your results that you may not even think about. But remember, the golf ball is the most important piece of equipment you play because it's on every shot, okay? You know, you're using the golf ball on every swing. Every ball is hit by, by the club. It's, it's the golf ball first. So the key thing that most people have, most people have to figure out is what is your speed? You know, how, how hard are you striking the golf ball? That's the first criteria to match the compression of the golf ball or the, what is the core. And the core is the engine of the golf ball. And that's where players need to get a golf ball that has the right core design to maximize the launch of the ball and the speed of the ball to create maximum performance and distance. And for most players who are somewhere in that zero or 80 to 90 miles an hour clubhead speed, our lower compression golf balls like Soft Feel and Q-Star are going to be a great fit for those players. They're a little more durable with their cover design, so they don't spin as much around the green, but they also don't spin as much on your, on your miship and, and on your, on your full swing shots. And that's a good thing for most players in that category. As you jump up the skill level, you, you move to Q-Star Tour for players who are not quite the high clubhead speed, but they want a urethane golf ball that will spin and feel around like a tour ball. Q-Star Tour delivers that ball a little lower compression than the, than the Z-Star and the XV, but it also provides that feel and, and maximizes, again, launch and speed. And up to the top of the team with, with the Z-Star, a different golf ball than XV because it's a three-piece construction versus the four. The three-piece construction delivers a little bit more 
spin, and I don't mean that in a bad way, it's a little more spin to hold the trajectory and let the player work the ball a little bit more for players who don't spin and have, have high club head speeds. The XV is for players who have high club head speeds and have a lot of spin, and they want to reduce spin. So these are all combinations. When guys want to test product, they, they got to figure out how the ball flies when they when they hit that stinger uh, four iron or hit that that, 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 that low punch wedge, you know, they need to know what the ball is doing, whether it's rising on or when it lands, is it grabbing? So most of us, even good players, don't spin the ball a tremendous amount when it lands on the green. So most of us should play a golf ball that's helping keep its flight in the air, maximizing its distance and holding a trajectory that we can learn to understand and control our ball flight from. If we do that, the ball's going to curve a lot less. And I don't know about you, but I hit the ball. My ball curves a lot less. I play a lot better. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's, right. the, that's just the way it goes. So that's that's a real quick synopsis of the of the soft feel Q star, and then of course Q star two and Z star balls that give a player some variance based on speed and skill. And the rest of it's you know the, the pricing is different based on the, the design, but from a performance standpoint, just because you're paying twenty golf twenty dollars for a dozen soft feel doesn't mean it's the wrong ball for you because it's a, it's a lower price. It may be the perfect ball based on your skill and your speed. So that's the beauty of our, our line. We have some, we, we touched some price points, but we also touched the player skill levels. And, um, and, and of course you, you forgot to mention our premium ball in the Zexio brand that I, and we have, that's right. Enjoy some Zexio golf balls. And Zexio brand is, is, is basically taking that, that speed technology that is maximizing speed for the slower cut head speed players, utilizing a golf ball again helps the launch conditions. And those are the factors that make your driving distance maximized in mind. It's, getting able to maximize the speed that it leaves the club face at the proper launch angle with the proper amount of spin. And when you can get those three things lined up, you're going to hit the ball better. And most people are missing some of those three elements I just described. Their spin's too much, their launch is too low, or their speed's not enough. So when, when, you, when you're struggling in one of those three categories, you need to help improve that. And a golf ball will definitely, there is a difference. And it's, and it's not just because one's $100, $50 a dozen, and one's $20 a dozen. It's how it's designed. So, Perry, when can I get this XEO balls in yellow? That's a great question. I don't I don't know if that gold paint and silent paint still will co- show up very good on the yellow golf ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, you can't see the look of that golf ball. It's got to be – I show people that golf ball, they go, wow, what is this? And I say, well – it's really a good golf ball for your for your game, but it also has a look you haven't ever seen in a golf ball, as you could probably attest to. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's coming in yellow, but uh, it, it, it may. You know, the, the, the yellow golf ball is definitely continuing to be uh, in, in in favor with you know, more, more and more players switching to a yellow golf ball for visibility. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't perform any difference. It's easier to see and easier to find in the grass. So, yep, it's a, it's a neat product. Perry, uh, one more before I let you go. And we talk a lot about yeah. the short game on this show. Yeah. My, my good friend Tom Patrick beats into my head all the time. Short game, short game, short game. Cleveland yeah. wedges, Love some it. of the best on the yeah. market. The RTX wedges are fantastic. Talk about, you know, those wedges and how they can help us from even, you know, like we talk about 100 yards in all the time. How can I take three yeah, shots or four shots and turn it into two with those wedges? Mm. Well, you're going to get you're going to get the man, Mr. Patriot, uh, afterward to to really help take that to the next level. But that is the key. We have studied 65 percent of your shots during a round of play come from inside of 125 yards. Just take a quick think about that. 65 percent of your shots. So if you're shooting 90, you're hitting 60 shots, or about 62 shots from from that 
inside of 125 yards. So that's, that's pretty much for most players, some type of wedge. It may be a pitching wedge at 46 degrees and it may be all the way, you know, down to a, just a full lob wedge, right? So the, the, there's variance in lofts that are a key to, a key ingredient to match up with your set. That's one thing that we offer. The other thing that's more, probably more important than the, just the lofts availability of lofts is the type of wedge design. So you mentioned RTX4, blade, tour model, tour design, tour player driven by specs and performance to maximize their feedback and feel and what they expect from a, from a wedge to, to manage and control their distance. That's what really wedge play is all about, being able to control your distance. Like I jokingly say, you don't want to hit a 50-yard wedge shot when you need 30 yards. That's not a good thing, okay? <laughs> you, you, want, you want to be able to hit a 30-yard wedge shot to 30 yards, 32. You know, you want to be very close. So, and that's what most people struggle with at the instruction piece of the puzzle. They, it's not that they've chosen the wrong wedge for the distance that they've chosen the prop, they don't, they're not properly set up in the way to execute the shot. So, and that's something for, for Tom to get into too with you, but it, that's what we teach a lot in our wedge is how to, how to grab distance control and utilize your wedges to make that happen. If you need a, if you need a lob or more trajectory, you should use your highest lofted wedge. That may be a 56 for some, it may be a 60 for others. Again, depending on your skill level and your, and your comfort of what, what you're used to using. But both will deliver that. You can make that happen. The key thing too is when you're talking about switching over to the CVX2, the new CVX2 that's now getting ready to launch. Uh, we had CVX for the last two years. And this is a wedge designed with cavity back performance for players who play cavity back irons. Who doesn't play a cavity back iron out there? Most non-tour right. professionals do, right? So why are you playing a blade wedge if you're playing a cavity back iron? Well, the cavity back iron delivers three things. It delivers forgiveness. It delivers uh, proper bounce uh, into the into the turf because it's got more bounce than most tour wedges have. And number three, it gives forgiveness. I said that twice. Okay, most players need forgiveness on their wedges, whether they're hitting a 15-yard shot or a 100-yard shot. You don't want your 100-yard shot to fall to 93 yards. You want to go 97, and that's what a cavity back wedge does versus a tour wedge. It keeps the distance much closer to the way you struck it. Now, if you miss hit it, you miss hit it. But I'm talking about something that's pretty close to your best swing, but not your best swing. And that's where a cavity back wedge design helps most players. And then we have the smart sole. Uh, chipper and, and, and sand wedge or what is the 58 degree, uh, lob wedge for the player who just is maybe a beginner golfer or just not very comfortable with wedges in general. It's a wide sole designed to maximize, uh, what is the bounce opportunity to keep the club from digging extremely. So if you're a steep player or a player who just struggles out of the bunker, those two parts, the, the, the smart sole wedge will help out of the bunker and the smart sole chipper will help around the green for chipping and and, and putting, or chipping and running shots around the green. So we have wedges for all player types. That's the beauty of our wedge line. It's not just for one specific player and say, here, I like to, I know you like the Cleveland wedge, but if you're not good enough, you can't play this. We, we have wedges to fit your game. And just like we do with the golf ball, there's the criteria we use to try to fit your game and, and maximize your performance. And like you said, you can knock three to five shots off your game in that zone of play if you have the right tools in your bag. And that means maybe having two or three wedges instead of one. That means Learning a little more skill about how to keep, you know, where to play your wedges, not, you know, what is, where is the place you want to miss it? What is the, you know, what is the yardage that you can maximum swing this club and not get in trouble? I see a lot of players struggling with wedges because they may pull the right wedge out of their bag, but they're not committed to the shot because they say, well, I was afraid of going over the green. Well, if you were afraid of going over the green in your mind, why were you using that lofted wedge? Go to the, go to the, the higher lofted wedge and hit it full. Don't try to, 
decelerates. Unless you're really skilled, you need to learn how to choke down or just go ahead and hit the full swing shot. Players make that mistake commonly. They just they get in the shot. No, oh, I, I was afraid of going over the green. Well, <laughs> it's hard to be committed when you're you're worried about the miss before you ever hit the shot. So that's one of the common mistakes a lot of players make. Just in that that you know easy to remedy. Nothing instruction based, but more about the choice and commitment to the shot. And if players can you know kind of stay in that mode and not and not find themselves trying to I want to say manipulate the yardage, but get to a yard and say, look, I can hit my wedge seventy yards. Well, when your blazer shoots you and you've got 78 yards to the pin, don't try to hit your longer wedge and feather it in there with eight yards. Go ahead and hit your full wedge 70 yards and take your 10 or 15 footer and go on to the next hole. You know, don't get yourself in trouble by trying to do something you're not comfortable doing. So that would be my, my quick wedge tip to, to try to keep players, uh, you know, in their best chance for success, you know, to, uh, to, to not give away shots because most people miss the green with a wedge, a chip and two putt, or hit it so far from the pin they three putt. That's giving away shots. And I'll tell you what, Perry, that's, that's great advice. And that's something that uh, we talked about last week here on the show is, and so, you know, for the, for all of us that are weekend players, right? We're not out there right. playing three or four times a week. We're, we're sure. way in the double digits in our handicap. One of the things okay. that, uh, that I think that we make mistake strategically is we're, we're, we're shooting at, we're shooting at the pin, right? And there's all kinds of different yards, right? I mean, you know, it, it, right. The next thing you know, we're coming up way short because we don't, we hit it a little fast. We're coming up way long because we thinned it a little bit. Instead of right. one of the right. strategies we talked about is go for the middle of the green. Forget about the pin. No question. Go for the middle of the right. green and then two putt right. and go yeah. on to the next goal. Exactly. And a lot of times, as you, you and I, I know you, you haven't played enough golf, a lot of times you're playing for the center of the green and you push or pull the shot and it goes towards the pin. So, you know, you actually miss the shot a little bit, but it actually comes out like you're hitting up right. the flag. But you're right. If there's, if there's trouble to the right, you know, we have, and you're in the pins on the right side of the green. Yeah. Aim center. And if you happen to hit it 20 feet, take your chance of making a 20 footer. And, 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 in that worst case, two putt and go on to the next. But if you miss that right into the bunker or if it's a hazard over there, you know, you're making right. double or triple bogey. So, so those are, those are again, cautionary plays, much like, you know, choosing to make sure that the distance you're going is, is to be, make that full swing, commit to it and not be trying to, you know, jimmy your swing in the middle and try to throttle it back or, or overswing and try to hit right. it too far. Just make a comfortable swing and be, you know, be satisfied with the 15 footer. And, and if you get greedy, most people, you know, you're going to get in trouble when you start getting a little too greedy. You know, but that's, a, that's great advice. Perry, remind our listeners before I let you go how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you and the brand are both doing, whether it's online or it's on social media. Well, certainly, you know, we are, our, our three websites, uh, Strixon.com and ClevelandGolf.com and Zexio.USA.com are the are the three names for product stories and product uh, uh, information, all the details uh, from all the specs and all that for each of the three brands are on there. And in all our social media platforms from face from Facebook to Twitter, yeah, we we've got them on all the tours. We have all that we follow. Uh, you know, each of the each of the tour has a specific to the European, the PGA Tour, the Women's Tour. So yeah, whatever whatever player level you are, whoever you want to follow, click on there and and catch, catch some information about what uh, what our Strixon staffers are doing and and how they're performing. So yeah, lots of ways to get in the loop. Well, Perry, I can't thank you enough for uh, for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of this show with me. I hope you'll continue to come back. 
from time to time, share your stories and your insights with us. And uh, uh, you're always a joy to have part of the show. And I always love listening to you and Matthew on Sunday mornings. You know, I'm there religiously listening to you guys because you're fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure, Chris. Appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to getting back with you sometime soon. Thank you, Perry. Say hi to Matthew for me on uh, on Sunday. And I'll, uh, like I say, I'll be listening in. Will, will do. Appreciate it. Take care, Perry. Thank you. That is Perry French. Again, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, Zexio Golf, and Zexio, X-X-I-O, Zexio. And as Perry mentioned, I'll tell you what, the Zexio Golf Ball, and we talked about this back in the, in the uh, early part of the year, most beautiful golf ball you'll ever look at. A little gold flex in there in the, uh, in the cover. It's, uh, it's a very unique thing. It's a pretty thing. Matthew always talks about how he gets them and doesn't want to hit them because they're too pretty to hit. And uh, he won't let any of his friends even hold the golf ball and just show it to him. It's it's a great-looking golf ball, and it's a great-performing golf ball. I went out and used them uh, this past year uh, on my uh, buddy's trip. but uh, And I'm also a very big uh, fan of the yellow Z-Star as well. So, Harry French, great guest, great guy. Listen to him with uh, Matthew Lawrence on Backspin Golf every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on uh, WLXG.com or the WLXG app. And look forward to getting uh, Perry back on the show with me again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Andy Leno, I want to remind you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, I'm telling you, do yourself a favor. Go out and get a demo iron of their Fort Worth PTX, new PTX Pro, which comes in a black finish, which is outstanding, or their edge irons, and uh, take it out on the range compare whatever it is you got. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time at their Fort Worth, Texas factory, so no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com, and they're going to build those irons to your specifications. The best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line, like I say, of their forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, accessories, and their new GS53 driver and fairway woods, which are fantastic. Check it out online by going to BenHoganGolf.com. I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret that pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip Golf Pride. I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Two Under Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Andy Leno. Andy has become a regular here on the show lately, which is fantastic news for me and for you because he is a, a wonderful person, first of all, and uh, a world of great stories. And um, 
you look back at his time caddying for 20 years on the PGA and the LPGA Tours, on the bag for a decade with Kenny Perry. He's also caddied for Tom Watson, Peter Jacobson, Nick Faldo, Shea Revy, Michelle Wee when she was out on the uh, challenging the guys out on the uh, PGA Tour, plus our good friends Dave Stockton and Richard Zokel. Um, but it just, you know, uh, when I got to meet Andy for the first time and have him on the show, just absolutely blew me away with what a wonderful person he is and getting to know him a little bit more over the weeks and texting back and forth and hearing his stories and his time, uh, not only on the bag, but the things that he's doing now post his, uh, his, his, uh, caddy career. Got a wonderful company that he started called Golf Mastery, golfmastery.net. Please go online and check that out. And I'm very excited he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Andy, how are you? Chris, I'm doing great. I've uh, been fortunate enough to be coming off a family retreat and uh, reset for the rest of the summer and out here in beautiful, sunny Washington. 90 degrees and not a cloud in the sky, so things are looking good out here. (laughs) Good for you. Always a treat to be on Next on the Tee. I appreciate that very much. So, Andy, you, as you and I were, were texting back and forth between shows over the last few weeks, what I've learned about you and learned about really the game of golf is that there's all kinds of six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I've had Kevin Roman and Andy Trainer plus Shane LeBaron last week on recently. They're all playing Truth Level 3 certified instructors, and they've all learned, you know, through Chris O'Connell and Jim Hardy. Well, as, as I found out from you, Chris Caddy for Peter Jacobson for a time. You guys actually roomed together at one point. Talk about your connection to Chris and those guys. Yeah, I mean, you said it right there. Golf is amazing with the way that it brings people together from every corner of this earth. And and the more that you're involved with golf, um, the more that you'll see that, you know, for those that have either been involved with golf or, you know, like you and me, you know, are all into it and love it and have loved it for a long, long time. But, I mean, honestly, I give golf all the credit for all the many fantastic people I've been able to meet along the way. But, yeah, uh, Chris, you know, he came out on, on tour, um, obviously, to cat. He was a very good player in his own right and, uh, you know, had aspirations to play and wanted to come out to caddy and kind of get a look, see what it takes, that kind of thing. And, you know, I was friendly with Peter and Fluff, and, you know, he was looking for, you know, some somebody to stay with, you know, while he was out there. So we ended up being roommates, and, uh, you know, we we got to know each other pretty good. I mean, he, he caddied uh, for a short stint out there, and then he went on to be, as you know, now one of the top instructors, you know, that we have. So uh, small world, at the time he wasn't intending to be an instructor. I don't know, maybe he was, but I know he wanted to play because, like I said, outstanding player and was trying to get some some nuggets from the from the boys out there to see if he could take his game up a notch. And Andy, you know, when we were talking to uh, uh, Andy Trainer, who um, also worked with Chris, I mean uh, Tony Romo, and helping him develop his game. And uh, you were hired to caddy for Romo during the 2008 U.S. Open qualifier. Andy said he's one of the hardest working students that he's ever had. So curious to get your memories of uh your time working with Romo. Yeah, I mean it was it was uh interesting because I had I've been living in Dallas since 1995 and and Tony kind of came to town shortly thereafter for his career, but you know, I had some connections there and they were as it turned out ended up being connected with Tony and you know they 
knew and found out very quickly what a very good player Tony was even before he started getting real serious. I mean, as you can imagine, Tony's a natural athlete, in, you know, in a lot of things, basketball, golf, obviously football. But anyhow, that connection um, led to um, there was a week off, and I happened to be in town, and you know, they asked if I would be interested in going out and trying to, you know, caddy for Romo at, at his U.S. Open qualifier because he tried it, you know, quite a few years in a row. You know, it's a good release for these pro athletes to go kind of do something else. And it gets them away, and it still keeps their competitive juices up, et cetera, as you can imagine. I mean, Brady loves golf. There's several of the quarterbacks. They love golf. But anyway, I, I agreed. And so I went out, and I scouted this course. He was playing as uh, the golf club of Dallas. And I'd never seen him hit a shot. And I went out and did my due diligence, so to speak. And I just met him out there for, um, you know, 18-hole qualifier out there. And uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I can tell you the the interesting story of it all is he drives up, gets out of the car, and I'm waiting for him. And you know we grab the bag, and you know he's obviously on time. We're going to the tee, and and um, you know we get over to the tee, and I and I say, well, Tony, I go, I got to tell you something. He goes, what's that? I go, well, I, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I go, Tom Brady's my favorite player, but I said today it's me and you. We're gonna go get him, and he just looked at me and kind of smiled. So, uh, anyway, it was a great experience. Uh, very, I mean, I could tell just in warmups that obviously he was a very good player and, uh, we had an excellent time out there and he just missed qualifying, but the four and a half hours I spent out there with him was really a lot of fun. And I think he enjoyed, uh, having a chance to get like some insight from a professional, you know, uh, on my end of the, on the, of the deal, since I do that on, at the time was doing it on a daily basis. And Andy, a couple of weeks ago on that same show with Andy Trainer, Ted Purdy told the story about playing in the 2005 Open Championship, which was Jack Nicholas's last Open, last tournament appearance, really. And Ted talked about the special five-pound British notes that were created to commemorate that event and how the players were getting uh, Mr. Nicholas to sign their uh, their uh, notes there. And, uh, and you were there as well. He got a couple of those notes, too. Do you mind sharing what you remember about being a part of the 2005 Open Championship? Okay, so so for the 2005, I, I wasn't there, but I got my hands on some notes. So my, my player opted not to go that year, um, but I got the notes, but it was nice to be able to get those signed by Mr. Nicholas. And, you know, to obviously have that mem- memoir tied in with some of the previous history that as as it turned out that I was able to fortunately have with you know with Mr. Nicholas with Kenny Perry's first win on the PGA Tour being at Muirfield, so it was really cool for that you know all that stuff to fall into place. You know you really don't know in life as you know every day there's surprises, there's new things that happen. But when you look back on it, it's pretty amazing on the stuff that did fall into place. You know because of golf, because golf brings everybody together and. You know, investing in a lifetime sport, like I try to, you know, one of my keys in my golf mastery that I've developed, you know, that in my new business is, you know, it's a lifetime sport. Invest in it. And Andy, as you you talked about Kenny Perry getting his first win at the 91 Memorial. He would go on to win it again, I believe, in 2003. Kenny and Mr. Nicholas obviously have a very special relationship. He's a Nicholas brand ambassador now out on the Champions Tour. 
What, what have you seen with their relationship? What is that like? And what have their interactions been like over the years? Well, I mean, Kenny, you know, for, Kenny has, I think he's won Memorial maybe two or three, maybe three times. He loved that place. And that course was just perfect for him. But with Mr. Nicholas, the very neat thing that I saw with him and that he's very consistent with over the years is whether it was Kenny Perry or Hale Irwin or Tiger Woods or anybody that ever won his tournament, he always created a bond with them of some sort. And whether it was seeing them at the Masters or seeing them annually, obviously, at his tournament. But Kenny always treasured the time that he could spend with Jack and be able to talk to him about golf. I mean, when Kenny won, he was a young pro. He was in his fifth year. So, I mean, it was valuable for him at that time for his career as you know he went on to win you know 13 more PGA Tour events and now 10 more uh, on the Champions Tour with a couple of majors so you know that was a big day for Kenny and it's actually a day that that really you know he didn't expect to come you know that that soon because he he was a super talented guy but you just in golf you just don't know but I know Mr. Nicholas has been great in in helping him uh, along the way with all, obviously his great experience and I know that now, ironically, like you said, he's he's wearing the uh, the Nicholas um, gear, so to speak. He's got the the, the wear going uh, the last time I saw him. So that's that's pretty cool stuff, I know, for Kenny. And you were sharing a, a handful of pictures with me. You've got a lot of Jack Nicholas sort of memorabilia in your collection. Talk about some of the things you've been able to collect over the years. Well, the, the, well, the first coolest thing I got was that day when we won, you know, we were both like over the moon. I mean, I was quite, you know, I mean, when you're, you know, when you start caddying, you really don't know as a pro caddy how it's going to go or where it's going to go. But you, you obviously know that your goal is to win, you know, or try to be with a golfer that wins. And when that happened, it happened, you know, and it was a surprise to, to me. Not that I didn't have the confidence in Kenny, but you just don't know when it's going to happen. And to beat Hale Irwin in an extra hole, you know, the U.S. Open champ multiple times, it was an absolute thrill. So we're standing there on the putting green after Kenny's getting his awards. You know, he's getting his award, and they're having the ceremony, and I have my yardage book there. And and so Mr. Nicholas happened to be not too far away, and I went up and I said, Mr. Nicholas, could you, would you please sign my yardage book? He said, no problem. And he signed the yardage book, which I still have. I, I kind of put it away, I put it aside in a box or whatever. And I actually used it years after until the course changed a little bit because I figured it was lucky. But yeah, I got that and I've got <laughs> one of his game, yeah, I've got one of his game used balls and I got the note that you mentioned. And then later on, a couple of years later, in between a break, he was looking for a caddy and I wrote him a letter and asked him if I could be, you know, on a tryout basis. Or, or try out to be his caddy because his sons were moving on to things. And, you know, he was kind of just kind of playing, you know, part, I don't want part-time golf, so to speak, but he still needed a caddy. So, you know, I wasn't able to get that job, but it, you know, the class that he has, he wrote me a letter sent, I mean, you know, back in the days where you didn't have internet and texting and he, you know, he dictated or somebody dictated a letter. He signed it and sent it to me and I still have it. So, I mean, that and I, and I have one of his rookie cards that I just happened to be in a card shop because I collect sports cards and I saw this thing and I'm like, wow, I've never seen this card. It's a 1971, you know, HOF rookie card. 
So I figured, you know what? I, I got to grab this thing. I just do. You know, the guy's 18 majors. I mean, until, you know, he's one of the greatest golfers ever. And I've put 25 years of my life into the tour. So I said, you know what? This is something I got to have. So it, it went into the collection box. <laughs> and Andy, speaking of special moments, you had a moment with Mr. Palmer that uh, you were telling me about a conversation, a nice one-on-one conversation you had with him in the locker room of Bay Hill back in, uh, I think it was 2005, after you and Kenny won that tournament. What was it like getting to spend a uh, kind of a private minute with Mr. Palmer? Yeah, again, that was a total surprise. So, I mean, you're probably, you're familiar with how the tournaments go down. You know, your guy wins, and I'll see you at the locker room after. And basically, within 20 minutes outside of the press and your golfer, I mean, it's like a ghost town at the cl- at the club because every- all the people leave. I mean, everybody's out of there. So I'm sitting there waiting around in the locker room, and there's just a locker room attendant and myself, and you know the and the guy. You know, I was just sitting there waiting for Kenny, and Mr. Palmer had finished his duties, and he comes whipping around the corner, and he looked at me, he saw me by Kenny's bag, he said, "Hey, how about a beer?" And I'm like, "I'm not going to refuse that." I mean, I, I said for sure. So, you know, I had a sip and we, you know, he, he, he thought, you know, it was great that Kenny won and then he had to move on to something, but it was, it was really cool. And I was just sitting there after he left going, wow, um, what, what just happened here? And, and then when I told Kenny, you know, guys, Kenny's over still in the press room wrapping up stuff and he just kind of smiled. And I mean, things like that again happened because of golf. I mean, the people that I've been able to be fortunate enough and blessed to be able to walk next to and to be able to, you know, see how they practice, you know, being paired with Tiger Woods or being out with Nick Faldo and being, you know, watching all the different levels. Byron Nelson, one of my favorites, you know, obviously the Byron Nelson in Dallas where I live, he would be on that tee at Augusta every year and you'd go up and chat with him. He, I mean, it was just, it was priceless. It was precious stuff that I can't even really you know, put in the words sometimes. Andy, a couple more before I let you go. First, talk about the company that you've uh, you've started now, Golf Mastery. Remind our listeners what you're doing. Yeah, so golfmastery.net. So what I've tried to do with with my 25 years of, of walking with the with the best and the greatest and seeing how they you know do how they practice and how they approach things and how they you know become the great golfers that they are, trying to share those those nuggets of wisdom and knowledge with any any type of level of golf. I mean, obviously, the youngsters is, is a great start, but, I mean, it's I'm just trying to basically get people, like we've talked about, to invest in the game of, of golf for a lifetime. I mean, there's so many other, there's so many outside benefits that parallel life. I mean, obviously, you know, in golf is, it's, it's, it's outdoors, it's exercise, it's mixing it up with all kinds of you know, people, whether it's race, religion, you know, it, there's just, there's no limits to golf. Like I, like I speak, you know, to my juniors, I say, it's, it's all on you. You don't need anybody to play catch and you don't need anybody to go retrieve a ball for you. You can go and you can practice putting and you can hit balls. And basically I'm just trying to inspire folks and just lend some of my wisdom and knowledge that I've been able to be fortunate enough to witness with my own eyes and try to share that with some of these kids that, you know, that are inspired to try to do the same thing. Andy, I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to head up to, uh, to Boston on, uh, Thursday. 
My son and I are going to be taking in a couple of Red Sox games at Fenway. Looking forward to sharing that experience with him. Got to get your thoughts on the Red Sox before I let you go. Any hope uh, left for this team for this year? I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, to me, at this point, it's all been about the pitching. So, I mean, the hitting, they're ranked number one in the league, as you know, so it's not about scoring runs. But, I mean, every night, you know, they, if they, the pitchers are giving up six, seven, eight, nine, ten runs, and they're just not really holding up their end. So, I mean, the way the Yankees are hitting the ball and some of the other teams, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not going to give up on them. There's still, I don't know, 50, 60 games left. And you, you know, you can get a hot streak and get in the wild card and then you never know, right? But the pitchers are going to somehow have to switch gears because if this keeps up, I would have to say no. Um, you know, by everything yep. I've seen, but I mean, the offense is certainly not going to be the problem. So that'll be fun to go to Fenway. It's always a treat to be there and to, regardless of how they're doing, because that is one fun place, as you know. Absolutely. Can't wait to be there. Andy, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Always good having you as part of the show. I can't thank you enough for, uh, for becoming a semi-regular here over the last couple of months. It's really been great. Hearing your stories from inside the ropes and your experiences and that sort of thing. I hope you'll continue to come back and join me. Well, thank you very much, Chris. It's a pleasure and a treat to be able to share them. And like I said, I'm always here for you. If you need any fillers, I, I can, I'm usually here for you. You can count on me. And, and again, thanks very much for inviting me to, to share, to share these stories. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. Take care, my friend. I look forward to catching up with you again real soon. All right. You too. Go socks. Go socks, indeed. See Andy. That's Andy Lano. L-A-N-O. Golfmastery.net is the site. A Lano I I and for the second obviously is uh where you can find him on social media. He's uh he's been fantastic and I really can't thank him enough for being kind and generous with his time and coming back and being a part of the show here over the last probably month and a half or two. So uh he's great. Follow him and uh look forward to getting him back on the show. All right, uh, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry, uh, I want to remind you this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patry, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers, folks, are a unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts and a great on-course training aid to stay positive and put positive, happy images in your mind. Check it out on Twitter at PVibesGolf or see them online at PositiveVibesGolf.com. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is my good friend Tom Patry. Tom is a Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor. He's also the Director of Instruction at the Hawthorns Golf and Country Club up in Fishers, Indiana. And if you're anywhere near Indianapolis and you need help with your golf game, uh, you need to go check out Tom. Check out his website as well, TomPatry.com, P-A-T-R-I. So TomPatry.com, subscribe to his newsletter, get in contact with him, book a lesson, and uh uh He's a crazy Yankee fan, which, and there's nothing worse on this planet than Yankee fans. But, uh, you know, I always give an exception for Tom because he's an exceptional human being. But, uh, I appreciate you, Tom. Uh, time again tonight, TP. How are you? 
How did that series go last weekend, Chrissy? <laughs> How'd the series go the week before? Easy, TP. How did that, how did that series go last weekend, Chrissy? I got the broom. Not well. I got, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing a little dusting out here. I'm doing a little dusting around the room here, <laughs> dusting it up. Yeah, I tell you what, the Red Sox pitching staff, like Andy Lano was just saying, is just atrocious. Well, guess what? If you put the Red Sox pitching staff and the Yankee pitching staff together, it's still atrocious. <laughs> so I, I'm. Uh, it really I, I, is. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have four good starters between us right now. I mean, it's awful. No. It's awful. It, it really is. And you know, and then the and then the Astros going on getting Zach Greinke at the trade deadline. When you look at trying to yeah. face that stuff with you know, um, uh, with Cole and 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 Verlander, and you had Greinke to that, and holy smokes! But yeah, at yeah, least I'm, I'm, at least I'm like you know, like I said, going up to I'm going to Fenway and I get to have the experience, and and uh, you know, it's always fun just to be in the ballpark. So that's what uh, I'm looking forward well, to. Yeah, I mean, the best thing about Fenway next week when you go up there will be the hot dogs, so you'll be, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. Unfortunately true. TPS, saw <laughs> you recently spent some time with Damon Hack of the Golf Channel, you guys hanging out together. What's it like uh, spending a little time with Damon? You know, Damon, Damon's been a good friend for a long time. Before I go to Damon, though, i got to give a shout-out. My man Kevin O'Hara from Chicago, Illinois, today qualified for the Chicago uh, Mid-Amateur. I was up there watching him play today. Walked around with him, and he did a hell of a job. So I just want to give him a shout. I know he's listening tonight, and and I'm really proud of the way he played today. So good for him, Kevin. Go get him next week. But Damon Hack, um, Chris, and I, I don't know if you know Damon or not. He's he's one of the real gentlemen in in media. He uh, he's been a friend for a long time, uh, a student of the game, a stu- my one of my students of the game, and uh, he came to me basically as a relative beginner and. Uh, We've got him down somewhere in the mid to low teens now, and, and nobody loves golf more than Damon Hack. He's, you know, I don't know if you know about his history, but before before the Golf Channel, he was a a sports writer for Sports Illustrated, covered the PGA Tour and the, and the NFL, and then before that, he was a uh, a beat writer for the New York Times. He's got a pretty nice pretty nice resume. A UCLA guy, West Coast guy, now converted, lives in Orlando, Florida, but just a wonderful man, and came up here and we did a a fireside chat for the membership and was really well received. He did a hell of a job and uh, it was nice having him here. Tom, you give a shout out to to one of your students and now I talk about Damon also being one of your students. I want to I want you to give a shout out to one of your junior players, a guy that uh, a young man that I've been watching you teach and uh, watching some of your Facebook Live broadcasts in the past. The young man Jack the Whack. I want you to give a shout out to Jack? one of your your, uh, your junior student. <laughs> yeah, Jack. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jack the Whack had a rough weekend this past week. He uh, he posted two rounds we weren't happy with in the in the Met PGA Junior Championship. But he's a young man who uh, is now 13, um, Chris, and he came to me when he was seven. And nobody more passionate about the game as a junior than Jack the Whack. He's a wonderful kid. He's um, a three-sport athlete. He plays quarterback. He plays point guard. And he's playing golf. And and the golf bug has definitely gotten him, and I, I, he's a really good athlete. So he's a little bit behind the learning curve, starting a little later than some kids competing, but he's made some progress. He broke 80 for the first time about a week ago in the junior tournament. He's all jacked up about that. Uh, I think I, I think this kid's a good, good enough athlete. He's going to figure it out over time. He'll be pretty good. Tom, tonight we've been talking, sort of the theme of the show has been around the PGA Tour playoffs. We've got them starting up this week. We got the Northern Trust being played up in your old neck of the woods, right? Liberty National up there yeah. 
not uh, yeah. right across the uh, right across the river there. So talk. About, do you ever get an opportunity to play? By the way, Liberty. Do you ever play Liberty National? I've been. I, I have. I have been to Liberty, Chris. Yeah, I sure have. It's, it's a fun place. I mean, the uh, golf course is above average, but the views are spectacular. The city skyline. It's a, it's a very cool place, actually. Yeah. So your thoughts when you look at just the the the, the playoff system that we have in the on the PGA Tour. Good, good for the game, bad for the game. What are your thoughts about the the, the playoffs in general? You know, my my one concern is with the whole playoffs and a wraparound season, and you know the, the fourth major being finished in July. Um, but the, but in general, the wraparound season is, you know, are, are we going to burn these guys out? They don't have any time out. They don't have any downtime. They don't have any time with their family. They just keep, seem to keep on going now, twelve months a year. Um, and, you know, we, and we watched back injuries increase in golf. We watched wrist injuries increase in golf. We, we watched general injury overall increase in golf, you know, with the speed of the golf swing and the distance the ball's traveling. And now these guys are playing 12 months a year, and they don't really have any time to rest their body or rest their mind. And I, I'm concerned about that. I, I think the playoff system is exciting. Obviously, $15 million will get your attention. I'm, I'm not sure if long-term it's a good thing for the game and the player the player themselves, you know, I'm not really sure about that. Tom, you make you bring up a really excellent point, and that's around the injuries with the game of golf. When I see, you know, when I see guys that are roughly my size, I mean, the, the Justin Thomases of the world, you know, with the wrist injuries and and that sort of thing, you know, swinging, the, you know, those guys swing out of their shoes. I mean, 125, yeah. 130 mile an hour swings for guys that are five foot seven, five foot eight. You know, 150, 160 pounds, swinging it that hard, and then you know with the divot that you're taking to get the spin that that you're looking for, and that sort of thing. Well, it just it just doesn't seem like it's a recipe for long term health and 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 being able to play the game at the level that I'm sure these guys want to be playing it at when they're 40, 45 years old. Is is, is that something that the game needs to really think about? Is how how we're playing and how they're playing it with those fast swings and that sort of thing. Well, that's that's Chris. That's exactly my point. I mean, we watched JT go through an injury this year. We watched well documented injuries to you know to Tiger, obviously to Jason Day, and and the list goes on and on and on of these guys who've been hurt and 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 you know this half a season, this ten fifteen tournaments or or you know you know going all the way back to the Frank Nabilos of the world who who blew their back out and you know it's 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 pretty well documented now what's going on with swing speeds and injury. And then again, like I said, that you, you throw the wraparound season in there, no downtime, no rest for the body. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm very concerned about it. I'm, I'm really concerned about the, the well-being of this player and the longevity of each, of each career. It's, it's not, uh, I don't think it's a very good recipe. Tom, something that we've talked about in the past and something I'm concerned about is my boy Jordan Spieth. And every time I start to think he's he's finding something and he's turning a corner. You know, last week when he opened with rounds of 64 and 67, he said, "All right, he's in the mix. Maybe he's starting to come around." Third round, he shoots 77 on Saturday. He misses the 54 hole cut. He's driving it out of bounds a couple of different times in those rounds. He makes three double bogeys on Saturday. To, to me, Jordan Spieth seems lost. If you were his instructor, what would you tell him to do? Oh. You know, I, I think I, I think we watched a lot of players come out on tour who are not power players per se. And by the way, 
I think Jordan Spieth, when he came out, was one of the best drivers of the golf ball we've seen in a long time. He had a really good combination of of driving the ball, both you know, adequate distance, not not overpowering distance, but adequate distance, and drove the ball relatively straight, and was a really nice iron player. And early on, we heard we heard the media and we heard him himself talk about the need for more distance, and obviously things have gone sideways. Uh, you know, I, I think. The problem, the problem with being his coach is it's sometimes when you go down that road, it's really tough to come back up that road. I, he's, I think the young man is very much right on the fence right now of, of falling either way. I mean, I, I could see him recovering and getting it back on track, but I could also see him falling off the fence the wrong direction and we never hear from you again. Literally, literally never hear from you again. We've watched. You know, we watched Ian Baker Finch do the same thing. You know, look, look for those 15 more yards. And here was a player in Baker Finch that was on his way to being one of the you know top five players in the world, and literally, you know, couldn't find the couldn't find forget the fairway, couldn't find the golf course. Um, Jordan Spieth is at a very very critical juncture in his life and in his career right now, and, and it's it's a very 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 uh, troubling time, I'm sure, for him. And I think he is, Chris, just like you said, I think he is very much lost. And, and, and I I question what they've tried to do with his golf game or where they've tried to go with his golf game. To that end, TP, you know, for to your point about, you know, trying to get that extra 10 or 15 yards. He And I don't know, maybe it's it's just my how naive I am about, you know, what, what it's like to be out there on tour. You know a million times better than I. But to your point, I mean, he was a guy, I mean, he, he, you know, driving the golf ball, you know, 290, 300. I mean, he's never, he was never going to be Jason Day. He was never going to be, you know, up there with DJ and, and those guys driving at 340 right. yards. Right. Is this, is this a guy trying to get out of his lane because some sort he's of, you know, hey, I got to, I got to be a 310, 320 guy if I can compete? Because I think his competing, was how good and creative he was with his short game, your big thing to me, and how how right. great a putter he was. Right. So, so obviously, like I said, he came out there as a pretty, I thought, a very adequate driver of the golf ball and a very accurate driver of the golf ball and a good iron player. And it's funny, as as things start, start to fall apart, you put pressure on different parts of your game. So now he's missing fairways, now he's trying to recover, and now he's not hitting a lot of greens. Now there's a lot of pressure on a good short game just just to make, forget to compete, just to make cuts, you know, and, and it's it's almost like a cancer because it works backwards through the game. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, you look at a guy like Tom Kite in his career who never drove the ball very far, but understood how Tom Kite played the game. And Tom Kite never tried to change Tom Kite. And he played pretty nicely. I mean, he had a lot of money out there, won a lot of events, won a major, had a very good career. Um, Jordan Spieth, in 215, drove the ball in play, hit a lot of greens, and when he didn't miss the green, he had a wonderful short game. It was a very well-balanced game. It was it was not a flashy game, but it was a really functional, really efficient game. And, and he has definitely lost his way. Tom, last time, kind of going in the opposite direction, we talked a lot about the new young guns that have burst onto the scene. That was sort of on the heels of Matthew Wolf getting his first win and only his third or fourth start out on the tour. Since then, we've seen Colin Morikawa get his first win at the Barracuda Championship. Victor Hovland is a guy that's been 
near the top of the leaderboards, finished fourth last weekend in the Wyndham Championship. And what strikes me about these guys, and, and a lot of people are talking about this with respect to these guys coming out and having no fear out there, playing amongst the best players in the world, coming right out of college and feeling like they could come in and win, and they're doing it. And to me, that is, that's different than the way it used to be. But like I say, you're a guy who played out on the tour and you've been around golf for, for many, many years. Is, is this a different sort of air to these guys that wasn't like that back in the seventies and eighties? Or was it always there? We just didn't hear about it as much. Well, let's, let's be, let's be, let's be factual. I never played the PGA tour, but I, I played a little bit overseas and, uh, and, and, you know, and played what was the beginning of, the predecessor to the uh, web.com tour, which is now the Corn Ferry tour, I played some events on that. What was what was really a experimental tour by the PGA tour back then. But I mean, Chris, the big difference now is, you know, when I got out of school and, and turned professional, there was one mini tour in this country. It was called Space Coast. It was in Orlando, Florida. It was the only mini tour in the country. And other than that, which played during the winter, during the summer, you had to scrape and scrounge and, and drive millions of miles in your car to find an event to play in, whether it was a state open or an independent event of some kind, and really had to, you know, kind of ragtag your schedule together. These kids play AGAGA, AJGA golf at a very high level, very well-organized events, 54 and 72-hole events. They play, you know, every PGA section house a really well-run junior tour um, within their section. You know, there's a plantation tour. There's a, there's a, there's, there's five different junior tours that are, you know, playing pretty high level golf. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw this last week, the PGA National Junior last week, the winning kid shot 21 under. Um, wow. <laughs> when the P, PGA National Junior Championship shot 20, one kid shot 60 in this, I believe it was the second round. I mean, there were 62s wow. and 63s posted throughout the tournament. So, that's not even college golf. That's junior golf. Now they go from there, they go to college golf, and they play at an Oklahoma State, they play at the University of Florida, they, you know, they play at the University of Texas, you know, or University of Southern California, UCLA, or Stanford, and they're playing against the best of the best in four years of these junior players who have already been well-seasoned as juniors. Sure, by the time they turn pro, they are fearless. They They have... They have shot low numbers. They've done it under pressure. They've done it on a regular basis. They've traveled. They've understand the, the rigors of traveling. You know, I, I had to learn how to travel, how to, how to, you know, build a schedule, how to, how to make a plane flight, how to, how to get from one event to the next. These kids have been doing this since they were 13, 14, or 15 years old. Um, you know, I think, I think back in my day, more guys lost their card after they got it, not because they didn't have a golf game to sustain and play on tour. The, the rigors of playing on tour, the travel and the coordination that they didn't have any training in overwhelmed them. These kids are not overwhelmed anymore. They're so organized. They have they have a sports psychologist. They have an exercise physiologist. You know, the, you know their their college coaches really groomed them as to how to play and how to be organized and how to practice. You know, they're they they they're not fearless. They're not fearing anybody. I mean. We watched Matt, Matt Wolf make an eagle right on top of Bryson Shambo like it was like he had his eyes closed, like he knew he was going to do it. These kids are ready to win right now. Tom, talk about confidence, right? Because sort of you know dovetailing off of this piece. Talk about you know when you're working with the young players, your junior players, and and getting them prepared to go play 
and some of these AJGA and bigger junior events. How do you instill confidence in them so that they don't fear being out there and being in the competition and people starting to watch them for the first time and, and that sort of thing? How do you build them up? I, Chris, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, I talked to as far as my, my friend Kevin in Chicago today when he was playing in this, this mid-amateur qualifying. And Jack DeWack, as a matter of fact, Jack DeWack is a kid who's, you know, doesn't have a lot of confidence right now because he doesn't have a lot of experience. It's funny how as you get more experience, you get more confident, you know. Um, I think it's a process. I, I don't think you can skip steps. I think a lot of guys try to skip steps and they try to force things and they think it's, you know, I think they're, mecha- they they're going to lean on their mechanics and that's going to get them through. Mechanics are fine. But as a, as a competitor, uh, and understanding how to play the golf course and how to, how to strategize the golf course and how to remain calm on the golf course and, and understand that, listen, in golf, during your round, there's going to be adversity. I mean, nobody tees it up and it's eight, you know, 14 fairways and 18 greens. That's just not the way it goes. Every round, I think, for the high level competitor has two to three critical junctures in the rounds. There's going to be two or three instances in a round where, you know, the way you deal with that critical juncture and the way you respond to adversity during that critical juncture is going to determine how you play that round and how you turn the corner in, in any given event. And I, I think that comes with experience. I, I think that, you know, you know, Freddie Couples at, in 92 was a lot better than Freddie Couples in 1984 at the Tournament Players Championship um, and, and allowed him to do things at Augusta that he hadn't done before. I think that, you know, you, it's, it's like climbing a mountain. There, there's steps you have to go through. There's no skipping steps and there's no, there's no substitute for experience. Tom, for our listeners in the middle part of the country, this has been your first season as the director of instruction there at the Hawthorne's Golf and Country Club there in Fishers, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis. Remind our listeners about your golf school, getting in touch with you and how they can improve their games for anybody that's even remotely near Indianapolis. Well, Chris, Indianapolis is just about over now, so I'm more focused on talking to people about Naples, Florida, which will start for me this year on, on November 13th. You'll get a good laugh out of this, Chris. I have to leave Indianapolis uh, sometime in, in early to mid-October and drive from Indy to New York because the old pro has to have cataract surgery and oh, and he tore, and, and he tore the meniscus in his left knee. So... I'm going up there, have two eyes, two eyes done on my left knee. I'm like the bionic man. They're going to put me back together in New York in, uh, in, in early November, early November. And then I'm going to get my old ass in the car and, and drive myself back to Florida and get a little bit of a late start at my TP golf schools in Naples. Probably around November 13th, I'll kick off the winter season. Um, so anybody who wants to reach me really now really wants to focus on Naples starting in, in mid-November. And, you, you know, as you know, Chris, they can get me via my website, either TomPatry.com, and then certainly a presence on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So there's a lot of ways to find me. It's not really that hard. I'm at the Esplanade in Naples, Florida. So there, there's a whole bunch of ways you can find me if you if you want to. Tom, it's always a pleasure having you as part of the show, my friend. I always look forward to the every other week when I get to spend some more time with you. It's always fun. It's always informative. You are absolutely the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for coming back and joining me again tonight. Chris, I, I love coming on with you. I, I love what you do and how you mention the troops every week and how you think about those people that are overseas. There's so much uh, 
so much a part of our fiber and sticking up for us around the world. And, and, and we should recognize, always remember those guys. And you do a great job of the show. Un- unbelievable array of guests you bring on. So many talented people. Andy Lana was an old friend of mine from 100 years ago. And uh, I'm glad he's on with you, too. And uh, Gail Graham. And, and the list goes on and on. So, Chris, thanks for you do for golf. I appreciate you, TP. Take care, my friend. We'll catch up again real soon. Thanks, pal. Good being with you. Bye-bye. See you, buddy. That is the great Tom Patry. P-A-T-R-I. TomPatryGolf.com is his website. You can sign up. You can get lessons. You can send him videos. You can do all kinds of things with TP to, uh, to you know, get your game to the next level. And uh, some of the things that uh, he talks about on this show and some of the things that I'm working on, like I say, Tom has hammered into my head for the last several years about short game, short game, short game. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, when I go out to the range, about 90% of my time, thanks to Tom and, and the things that A, he's taught me, B, the things he's told me, uh, and drilled into my head, I'm, I'm hitting, I got a wedge or, a, you know, I got some short game, you know, club in my hand. Um, from an eight iron down, that's where I'm spending 90% of my time. And then probably 80% of the 90%. Um, is with a wedge in my hand because that's, you know, if I'm going to, like you heard uh, earlier with, uh, with Perry French, right? 65% of the game is played from 125 yards in. So that's where I'm focusing my time. And, uh, that's where I think we all should focus our time. You know, the last couple of shots, I got to, I'll get out of driver just to say I did and, uh, warm up and then go play my round. But, um, Tom's a great stru- instructor. He's a, a 10 times better human being, uh, than he is an instructor. <clears throat> Pardon me, and uh, I can't thank him enough for his time. We look forward to catching up again with Tom here in a couple of weeks. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Tee. Again, want to thank my guests, Harry French, Andy Leno, Tom Patry, for joining me. And folks, um, you know, we couldn't do it. We wouldn't do any of this without you. So I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show and making sure that. We are a part of your golfing content. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net. There you're going to be able to see what our guest schedule looks like. Plus, uh, we link back to our page over on Podbean so you can stream or download any of our archive episodes. It's all for free on that site. And we're also on so many other great apps. We can't thank our, our supporters at Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, our new friends at LaunchpadDM. Go over to LaunchpadDM.com if you would and click on the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate uh, that to help propel us up to uh, Podcast One and that great uh, podcasting site. So we'd appreciate your support there as well. And if you have questions, folks, you look at our guest schedule and you've got questions for someone who's been on the show in the past or someone that we've got coming up on the show uh, again soon, please let me know. I'll be glad to get that question answered for you. We'll get it right on the air for you if it's uh, a guest coming up or we'll get the answer to you if it's uh, for somebody that's been on the show in the past. Again, thank you very much for tuning in again tonight. Until next week, hit them straight, my friend. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about